you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Never gets at Chris Wessling references. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, it's good to be back. Welcome back. <laughs> Great job. Uh, I was out of town, tending to some family things in life on Sunday, and you guys, uh, excuse me for the baseball uh, metaphor, Mark, but you guys knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I thought it was a it was a good show. We you know it's not the same without you in the house. Certainly no, but Colleen did great, and uh, you know, you Mark, you made a veiled reference to me, you know, maybe being out of the office in an unjustified manner. I expected that. That was fine. <laughs> I can only imagine what was being said while you were cranking through the uh, the write ups, but it's okay. Actually, nothing. But I, you know, I thought that was one of the quickest shots out of the gate. The one I took at you. Yeah, right out. But of the gate. today, Wes, right in the, you know, before you even get a chance to speak, Matt Money Smith taking you down. Well, it's a factual statement. <laughs> My references usually go. I mean, let's look at the other night. I try to make a couple of Howard Jones references, and Rosenthal tramples all over. Well, I still, I still Ooh. don't know who Howard Jones is. I'm sure most I of think our listeners don't. You also made one during the show on Sunday, Wes, like a Welcome Back Cotter reference of some sort. It was some, some '70s sitcom was referenced at one point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Am I the only one that's a little worried that Dan said we knocked it out of the park? Because if I know Dan, I he usually comes back a little. Like annoyed if things go too well without him. So if, <laughs> if he said that we knocked it out of the park, he's kind of like, oh yeah. I think that's you're, a C plus. I think you're reading this situation correctly. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> the show was fine. <laughs> you guys are all professionals. Dan, he seems pretty smug right now. That's silly. I try to pay a compliment. This is what's happened. I'm this is what kidding. happens to I'm me. Kidding. Well, how about a sincere compliment? Well, I mean, <sighs> whatever. See, that's, why, that's what you get for trying to be a nice guy. That's why I prefer to keep it real and be evil. This is the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, a big show. Big show coming up is week five. Now in the rear view. See how it keeps moving? Mark, a lot of times in August or so, you'll say, I can't believe this is starting again. There's no escape and all that stuff. But then once we get in the season, it just flies. I'm actually enjoying the season much more than some in the past. <laughs> Is it because you've been a little had a little distance from all the losing of the Browns? Although maybe they're not that bad. I just bad. think I brought my A game. Okay. Wow. Oh, I've got a lot of it. That's I, good. He's got more confidence. I thought we were trying to be sincere <laughs> around here. Yeah, all right. Well, no, I'm enjoying it. This has been great. It is flying. I can't believe we're already flying week by. Six. Week five in the books. It ended on Monday night uh, with another uh, good primetime game. We've had quite a string of. Solid primetime games this year. Um, uh, this time a big uh, crushing loss uh, for the uh, Chargers, which we'll get into uh, the Steelers getting a win after their tough primetime loss the previous week. So we'll get into the Monday night football game. Uh, also coming up uh, is we'll hit the news, what's cooking around the NFL, which is the name of our podcast and of the TV show mm -hmm. and of the news page. 
When That's did, it. You know, when the TV show is hosted by Andrew Siciliano on NFL Network. Yes, Andrew, who I believe will be back in here this week on Thursday's show or Thursday night show. We That show is on, and I'll tell you when it's on. It's on at 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. Nailed it. Three you have returned show. just hitting the ground running. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that will hit some news, and then uh, uh, we will – Take out the forks. Uh, we've we've forked to date. I wrote this down. I think we forked nine teams out of uh, thirty-two. Greg. Shocking that you failed your state-mandated math exam with that technique of counting. Thirty-two. Uh, thirty-two teams. Nine uh, have been forked, and we're going to fork at least two more today. So that means twelve teams. At least. You know, That's a tease. Thirty-two teams. Yes. Uh, we'll have forked at least two teams. So that's 11. Mm-hmm. 12 make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We, we've we already determined the season. Real, I mean, we, we only have nine more to eliminate until we know the playoffs. And we, I feel like the fork... Maybe there'll be more than two today. We should probably cut the fork um, maybe with a knife. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> uh, we should cut the fork probably after, what, week seven or so? We can't drag it out too long with the fork, right? Yeah, I mean, this Let's year what we did... We yeah, we actually mid-season. you know orchestrated this segment effectively for the first time ever. Yeah, it took three years, <laughs> and we and apparently uh you know I came back and I've been told I have to write the written piece, which means I'm going to take all the heat from the bloggers around the country <laughs> for telling them their seasons are over. But like I said to Greg, put it on me. Calm down, bloggers. Put it on me, boss. All right, so I know you can take it. We'll take the the so the fork. We're going to hit the fork conversation, and then we're going to do the TNF preview. Uh, Thursday night football, that is the Falcons at Saints. Eh, C-plus game. But we will inject uh, a lot of interesting insight into the match. Is that Greg's favorite rivalry in the NFL? You you, you do like that one, Greg. Well, I always talk it up because they actually have great games, even if there's a bad team that particular year. And there ha- is. And there, always, there seems to be lately one of them is bad. Uh, then they still manage to have a good game. It's the opposite of Jets-Patriots, which gets all the hypes and never has any good games. Is it still getting a lot of hype? Maybe. Well, last year they had a to. great game. Used to. Actually, both games were decided by less than three points, but that's that's neither here nor there. All right, let's 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 get into the Monday night game. Ha, huh, Sydney? <laughs> Le'Veon Bell scored on a one-yard Wildcat run. The Wildcat's back, baby, as time expired, giving the Pittsburgh Steelers and their backup quarterback, Michael Vick, a 24-20 win over the San Diego Chargers on Monday night in uh, what I would call Heinz West, um, also <laughs> known as Qual- Qualcomm Stadium. Uh, um, a, a play in, uh, that Bell run set up, of course, by a drive down the field by Vic. Five seconds on the clock. They had a timeout in their pocket after a personal foul call uh, following a reception to the one-yard line. And what does he do? What does Mike Tomlin do or Big Ben or whoever is calling his offense, Todd Haley? <laughs> He chooses a run that actually takes up five seconds. It ended up being a touchdown, just barely, Mark Sessler. And let's face it, if he doesn't get over the line there and they lose, the Steelers are getting killed on Tuesday morning. It's what I have to respect about Tomlin and the Steelers in general. They go for the throat, and they're a team that, even though they played a pretty poor game on offense for most of the night, the way they came back, I feel like the Steelers do this all the time. They did it against the Titans last season. You just cannot count Pittsburgh out. Well, they went for it 
and it wasn't just that play. I love that on second down with 17 seconds left, they finally get into position. Immediately, they throw a bomb. They throw to the end zone in Darius Hayward Bay. They're trying to get the win. They're not playing for overtime like we see in so many of these games. With that all said, I think the idea with them running on the goal line was they could still get the field goal. I mean, Le'Veon Bell said it after the game. He was like, well, I just thought, you know, we could use four seconds and then we take 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 the timeout. I think they're thinking, run it in there quick, and we'd still... It was a bad play call. We'd say- still have a chance to get the touchdown. But Le'Veon Bell's so patient, right. and he's also so good with his second effort that the play just took longer than that, and it, and it didn't matter. But if you call, and I'm not going to question their offensive minds, completely but if you call like a halfback dive it's not going to take five seconds but wildcat you know you're taking the shot but basically a shotgun snap you got to look for the hole I mean that was a really risky call right Wes I mean knowing if they would have lost the game with a timeout in their pocket they got lucky and he just barely got in I couldn't agree more I didn't, it blew my mind that they were trying to wildcat in that situation why not just use Vic for the quarterback dive or something where you do have another chance if that doesn't work out but I think to me when I think about this game it's hard to overstate how safe the Chargers lead felt at 17-10. to 10. The only Steelers touchdown was a pick six. They weren't moving the ball. Vic was playing horribly. Todd Haley must believe the biggest drop-off in the league from starter to backup is Big Ben to Michael Vick, the way he's treated Vic in the play calling. Well, and, it, and it's looked like it. I mean, Michael Vick has done nothing to disprove that until those two drives. And well, one play later, Vick hits Wheaton for 72 yards. They're right back in it. Well, that's when offensive coordinator Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> stepped in. Stepped in with a <laughs> Genius. Call, stepped in with a play call that you could have done in your backyard at age four. Oh, give me a break. It's still <laughs> Run as far as you can, and I'll throw it as far as I can. Well, maybe he we'll had hope a, to connect on Maybe the at least he had a sense of what Mike Vick does well, that he was struggling for confidence. And it's like, hey, you know the one thing we know for a fact Michael Vick can still do. It's just step back there and gun it. Throw it deep. And he That's did That's really all he's got left. I mean, he did have a nice 24-yard run. They didn't even have any call, you know, run play set up for him. He is playing handcuffed, it seems. But when he did get to run, he set, that helped set up the winning score, the big run into the red zone. I mean, also on that, that bomb, Brandon Flowers got absolutely smoked. It's nothing new. He got the Bengals tortured him. Who? He has really struggled. Who? <laughs> Sydney, I don't know if we have. This will be a big test for Sydney. <laughs> Who's done a great job so far? A rising Absolutely. star within the media division here at NFL. <laughs> I may have deleted that one in the Okay, show. well, let's work on it. We'll talk about it after the show. Three lashings <laughs> for you. Sydney. No, you're right. That 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 contract's killing them right now because he had a great year last year. They reward him with the big contract, and he has really struggled. Our guy, our making the leap pick, Jason Verrett, stepped in last night and had a good game, shutting down Antonio Brown. But I disagree with you, uh, Wes on the play call at the end because to me you had a chance to get two plays and if for some reason it went wrong and went five seconds and the game ended everyone's going to kill him but you did it with the best player on the field and one of the best running backs you I've, can I've do seen it in without my a wildcat well, right, that's but it, what I'm calling. In theory, I'm if, he, if he is a little more decisive, doesn't that save time? You'd have no handoff. I mean, he has the ball right away. So I don't see why Why does a wildcat play take longer than a normal shotgun snap or you know regular handoff. Why Seemed w- like it took longer. It did because he, he was very patient looking for the hole, and then when the when he picked the hole, he bounced off the tackler, and it just ended up being a long play, which, is, you know, which happens. Can I just say, can I take a second? We don't like to get, you know, talk religion here. That's for the theology podcast, which is coming up <laughs> eventually. But I want to, dear God, thank you, almighty, the powerful, for letting Le'Veon Bell cross the goal line there. 
Because if he did not, these talking points all week in the NFL, we'd be writing 14 posts about it, would be the loss of 18 seconds from the game clock. A, <clears throat> really an inexcusable gaffe by the game officials and the scoreboard operator. After the, the drive that ended with the game-winning touchdown, the ball is kicked off, downed in the end zone, so the clock shouldn't move. Instead, they run it for 18 seconds, and nobody notices. My boy, Mike Tarico, that's two weeks in a row. Um, messes, <laughs> misses something, but also so did the scoreboard operator and then uh, as did six game officials, including the side judge who was responsible. The NFL released a statement uh, on Tuesday to our boy Rap Sheet uh, basically saying, yes, that was something that was missed and that was the responsibility of that judge, but anybody could have fixed it and it's not a reviewable call. So thankfully the Steelers scored that last play because they there would have been a, a huge mess on their hands if he didn't. Absolutely, and this comes up more than we think. I remember there was, uh, I think it was a Cardinals game last year where something very similar happened. It wasn't as dramatic where you scored a touchdown at the end of the game where just people miss it and 15 seconds go off the clock. I mean, the, the thing that looks bad is the scoreboard operator is always a local guy. It's right. like they don't, you know, and I'm not saying anyone's doing that. What are you I'm, saying? I'm Greg? saying it's not on purpose. It's some, it's someone that does college games or it's a college official, but it's just a bad look when you suddenly are running off 20 seconds. on It's, the Steelers at, it's in, a bad look when, cause the way it operates is they use kind of local guys during the regular season. But then once the postseason starts, they ship in guys from wherever in the country, I guess the best timekeepers. It's surprising. Well, I they've mean, contacted you about it, Mark, because, well, no, because I was, of your timing experience on Win West's Toast. Listen, I was replaced <laughs> by a robot on this show. A robot. And it is probably in my top five list of jobs I wouldn't want. Because no one, if you do it a good job, no one knows who you are. The only time they'll ever know who you are is if you botch it. But we can't give everything over to robots, and that's really our, our robot podcast, which is coming up a little later in sure. the year. Uh, is what gets handed over to the robots? <laughs> uh, what does man hold for himself? <laughs> Until they figure out the catch rule, I feel like all these little manufactured controversies don't matter at all. Because wh- I mean, what are the rules in this game anymore? Mm. I can't West, even figure them out. West finds a way to rail against the catch rule, even when there's yeah. No like I don't even care if 18 seconds came off the clock. That's not nearly as important as a guy getting credit for a catch he didn't have, or someone not getting credit. Should for we a catch should we talk about the the Chargers fan performance because the they were not they didn't show up. You know this happens oh, a lot at Chargers terrible. at Chargers games. But for the the big time Chargers fans that are out there, this had to have been a crushing loss to not be able to beat. Mike Vick, who for three and a half quarters looked like one of the very worst starters in the NFL that you could have. I know the offensive line is banged up, but you you have to find a way to move the ball a little more than they did against Pittsburgh. And I know there are passionate fans in San Diego. And, Greg, we've had this conversation slash argument uh, several times about, you know, I didn't include them in my pain rankings, NFL.com slash pain rankings. But, like, (laughs) you cannot let 45 to 50,000 Steelers fans invade your building on a weeknight like that. I mean, it was just a, a terrible showing for a, a franchise that's trying to, to figure out where they'll be next. I mean, how was trying to stick it to their fans who literally has said publicly the worst outcome in, in this whole scenario would be staying in San Diego while other teams move into L.A. So you're saying the fan base is kind of quitting on the idea of the Chargers they have, They've their, never been a, a hardcore fan base in terms of numbers. I don't think anyone would argue that. But I, I, don't, I have no problem with fans giving up on them the way that they're being treated. I mean, Tom Brady vocally said that when the Patriots played him last season that it was a 
New England home crowd. That was the case when they barely beat Cleveland last week, and that was the case last night against Pittsburgh. I'll feel bad if this ends up, you know, those fans that are real fans, I'll feel bad for them. But at the same time, it's like, come on. Chargers not a great – Chargers – Come on. Here's their two wins. Can't let that happen. They beat the Lions by a mere five points, a bad Lions team. They come And back. they barely beat Cleveland a week ago. Dan, what's more painful than existential angst? They don't even know they exist. Oh, that's true. It's like a, they're like a walking performance of waiting for Godot. All right, Wes. I don't know that reference. The last reference <laughs> lost. Wes strikes it. again. What was that? Fill it's me in I'm sure I'm not alone. It was, so, it was, it was a, a 70s, theatrical play. 70s sitcom uh, starring Mary Tyler. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's a play by Samuel come Beckett, on. French playwright. Oh, come on. Well, I think he's an Irish playwright who did it in France. Now you're just showing off. Sydney, let's do some news. The worst thing is when you have an itch and you can't wipe it because you got eye black on. The, the struggle is real. <laughs> Andy Dalton. That is Andy Dalton. Greg, we were on the uh, <coughs> Dave Damashek football program earlier Full today. Brag. Who? <laughs> are you sure about that? That's plain a brag. And you said that Andy Dalton, I believe, is the third best quarterback in the NFL. I, I said the what? I said the way he is playing. If you're just evaluating his play this season, he has been right there as the three or third or fourth. I'm not counting Ben because he's hurt. So him and Palmer would be right there after the top two. Yes, in terms of how he's playing. Where do you have Josh Johnson on that list? Well, he has the most signings this season, so that's working for him. He's been signed. So Will Josh McCown time, rise above 30 this week? Oh, pipe. So you have Brady and Rodgers, first and second. Big Ben. Big Ben doesn't count because okay, okay. he's not playing. As he long as you don't fan. have him above Palmer and Big Ben, then I'm fine with that. I would say I probably will ha- keep Palmer there because he hasn't done anything to lose his spot. He's for making, but it, he's to making me, it's a tie. Palmer. Throws. I don't know. Dalton's making four or five deep throws a week, but I know that has nothing to do with Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson <laughs> was signed by the Bills uh, on Tuesday, and this was done because uh, the health of starter Tyrod Taylor is in serious question as the team uh, gets ready uh, for their week six matchup against who, Mark? The uh, Bengals that and is Andy Dalton. That's Ooh. correct. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, there's a report out there from uh, Jason Lockett and Fora of CBS Sports uh, at the time of this taping that Tyrod Taylor is dealing with an MCL sprain, an injury that will require him to miss multiple weeks, which is really terrible news for the Bills, if true, because uh, EJ Manuel is the backup quarterback of the Bills. And, uh, that's not a good thing, Greg Rosenthal. It's not. I was really excited watching Tyrod Taylor. I I think he's got something. I think he's gonna get this a lot. kid's got it. See? I think he's gonna get a lot better. I know he's made some mistakes, hasn't been perfect, but EJ Manuel hasn't shown hasn't shown that type of potential. Now maybe it's the offense. Maybe Greg Roman can get EJ Manuel out there. I'm a little more. I mean, I'm more interested to watch EJ Manuel than if Matt Castle was still on that team. And I know you know. There aren't that many teams in the league that are as banged up as Buffalo. You didn't have LaShawn McCoy last week. You didn't have Carlos Williams. You've lost your quarterback, who Ryan said he's looked good, and and Tyra Tiller's not been healthy all year. That he's not hasn't been on the injury report. Well, that's worth noting. Fair point. Sorry to bulldog. Well, no, you no, you made an absolute but uh, a stellar. How hurt was he before? But now it it seems like, and he was hurt on apparently a horse collar tackle tackle in the game. Um, well, he runs a lot. I mean, yeah. he has the same issue that Kaepernick and RG3. Not a big guy. Has that he runs. A, that's a huge part of their offense. And he mostly does a good job avoiding hits. But he's never played before. I mean, he's taking hits in the pocket. And now he's out there every snap. He's not used to it. Maybe the Bills can swing a trade for Matt Castle. 
<laughs> Bring him back. He can do it. Uh, they're three and two right now, correct? That's right. I mean, that is going to be tough for them if they. A lot of pressure. If on they're man. playing for four weeks, or let's say, or three weeks, or two weeks. I mean, EJ Manuel is not a good quarterback. That's a tough matchup with the Bengals. They're not they going with EJ Manuel. And then they go. They go to London after that. Mark Sessler is going to be covering the Bills very closely. You're actually. An embedded reporter with the Bills. Well, I was planning to right. write a, like a Bills nice long Tyrod Taylor piece, and that might be up in smoke. <laughs> Here comes 8,000 words on EJ Manuel. Get ready. Are the, Bill, are the Bills aware? Ryan. I, listen, yes. I've already spoken to Bills PR. They couldn't be happier about the arrangement. <laughs> I, I did. wrote but, them yesterday. Do they know about your, you know, anti-Rex the, Ryan I view leading, this as leading. a chance to have my mind changed. I bet it happens too. I bet you come we'll back see. with a new Barry the hatchet. The one time that I spoke, not you know one on one, but I was in a in a scrum with Rex Ryan for quite a while. A delightful character, to be honest. It's during the season that he drives me nuts. Gotcha. Well, and you love Greg Roman, so that's gonna help. You're gonna get a pint with Greg Roman, I bet, right? He's in your role. We'll see, I don't know. It sounds like I got Is a busy Rolodex? schedule. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Greg Roman's just out there in London getting pints. Maybe he is. Well, when we were at the Super Bowl, we saw Greg Roman with uh. Randy Moss and some other Niners having pints and dinner. True or false, you exchanged digits with the old Grego in an airport. Mm. That is true. That's right. We saw Although him. I wisely have not bothered him. That, we <laughs> saw him at Giacomo's for our New Orleans right. listeners. Mm. How about that? Best Giacomo. Ooh, that was the one of the best Isn't that when we saw? Uh, one of the best places in New Orleans. Go with it. Was it Randy Moss? It was yeah. Randy and Moss, Posse? Greg Roman. Frank and Gore was there. Frank Gore. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Sean Payton is the coach of the Saints. The Saints stank, and uh, <laughs> Payton's been there forever, so you start to wonder, is it perhaps uh, in the air, uh, change in the air uh, for the franchise one day after ESPN reported that multiple teams plan to inquire about Payton's availability after 2015. Uh, Payton himself dismissed the chatter. Here's what he said. I think that happens when you're in year 10 and not having success. He said, uh, per the team's website, I love it here. I'm close to my children. I just built a brand new place here. So you get tired of answering the questions. And yet, I understand you asking. And uh, Greg Rosenthal is our resident kind of uh, sneaky Saints fan. And this got under Greg's skin earlier this morning. He started to get all fired up just at the thought of Sean Payton making these comments to the media. Well, it's one of the phoniest things I've ever heard. He goes out of his way. to imply that Peter King's report or earlier this in, this uh, year that he's not a credible source at all, and that you know you oh you should look at what he's done, and he goes back through all the different reports over time uh, that has suggested Sean Payton you know might have interest elsewhere, and in in his heart and in the people who are in that room's heart, they know while he's saying this, this information isn't coming from the Dolphins, this information isn't coming from anywhere but Sean Payton's camp. Because, you know, he's, he's, you know, they're playing feelers out there. So to it's one thing to just kind of avoid the subject. Hey, let's not talk about it. But to grandstand as if your <laughs> respect and, you know, your, your mm-hmm. dignity has been impugned by anyone reporting this when, let's face it, you're a part of putting that out there. He, because they, they, he would love to have that Dolphins job. He is sick and tired of the rumor and innuendo which he is spreading throughout the league. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Someone's got to call him on it. Thank you. Damn, bigger phony. Sean Payton or Drew Brees? Well, they're perfect for each other. Oh. <laughs> what a match made in heaven that is. Um, I would I would lean towards Drew Brees, but I Greg's uh, outrage here is justified, and it's making me perhaps, perhaps rethink it. Dan, if you could 
take Sean Payton over Todd Bowles? You're a Jets fan. Would you do it? No. Yeah, I I guess I understand that Sean Payton's had a lot of success, and I do I really want him taking over my team? I don't want to. I'm not a big I, Sean Payton guy. I'm not gonna take oh, yeah, I'm not going to take away anything that he's done in ten years. Remember, New Orleans was a you know a terrible team for years and years when him and Breeze got to town. But it's always that chicken or egg thing with a quarterback and a coach together. So I don't know if Payton would necessarily have success if all of a sudden he was coaching a Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, led offense. He, I don't know if I give him the benefit of the doubt. He kept talking during this. It was a conference call with the reporters yesterday after after he grandstanded and did everything exactly the way you said, Greg. He talked about how listen the culture is really improving here. We've done so such good work on that front. You're also the person who presided over the culture completely crumbling. That was a huge issue with players they let go. I mean, there there's something not right in New Orleans. Despite despite all this, and I agree, and it depends on how much power he would want in his next place, whether he wants to be in charge of all the personnel and GM and all that, that I wouldn't want to sign up for. Despite all that, I think it'd be a good hire for the Dolphins. I, I think what he's done with their offense uh, in the Saints over the last 10 years, I mean, He's the be- he's obviously the best coach in their franchise history. The the success that they had, I think, is worth giving him another shot, and it's better than any Dolphins coach they've had in a while. There's he- a good Southern noir, like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil type of movie waiting to be written about this whole mm. – everything that's been going on around New Orleans and the Saints over that's the last true. year, year and a half. Yeah. There was, for me, the tipping point of the uh, Sean Payton tenure was after um, Bounty Gate and after he was banned for a year – Everybody talks about the do your job Belichick thing, but still one of the great unintentional comedy moments in the last 10 years of the NFL was that in the Saints practice facility was there, there was a giant banner with Sean Payton's face on it underneath a do your job looking down upon the Saints players like he was like, I don't know, like Pol Pot or something or some type of great leader. And it was putting shining down upon his teammates. Ego run wild, and it's coming I back now. Wouldn't call Pol Pot a great leader. No, that was a bad, <laughs> that was a bad historical <laughs> reference. A domineering figure. There you go. Give me a real dominating, uh, domineering figure in uh, world history. Edie, I mean. That All right, want well, something a little more? Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh, I like that. You know when there's, it's like the big thing on the wall in like communist China, right. and it's just the giant Jimmy, picture, like Jimmy Carter, <laughs> <laughs> Edward Kennedy. This uh, the history podcast will not be coming. Uh, Mike Dukakis. Moving on. <laughs> Mike Dukakis. We've uh, lost like half our listeners. Professor at reference. Northeastern, my alma mater. Um, here we go. Moving on. Dwight Freeney is back, Chris Wesseling. Get excited. The former uh, Colts star uh, signed a one-year deal with the Cardinals. Veteran mid- uh, minimum 870K with sack incentives. Uh, rap sheet adds he's 35 years old now. He had three and a half sacks last year. With San Diego, still got to the quarterback a little bit. Maybe can play a little bit. Uh, but after the uh, Arizona Cardinals dealt with some injury issues out of their win on Sunday, the, the decision was made to bring in the old-timer. I don't even have to read Mark's post to tell you what happened here. Dwight Freeney, you know, he's at the stage of his career where he can sit back and wait to see how the teams play out. Who's going to be a contender? He doesn't want to get stuck on some bum team. And then he hears that we've made the Cardinals a team of ATL, <laughs> and they're off to a 4-1 and one start. They look phenomenal. He said, that's the team I want to play for, and I can play for whoever I want. Trent Richardson's doing the same thing right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now. The Freeney has that's his right. own 
team team of ATL essentially or team of you know Freeney that he he wanted to wait. He waited a little bit longer than us. He wanted to see what was happening, and then he chose the Cardinals. I the feel team. like it was a similar process. Had nothing to do with the two outside linebackers that got hurt on Sunday, but you know. Well, all right. You must have been using really, logic. He must have been really impatient listening to the podcast <laughs> week after week as we doddered over it. And the Cardinals are one of the few teams that can take a guy like Freeney and make it work because, like Chris and I were talking about yesterday, Bruce Arians finds a way to use every single one of his players every week in a useful way. We The next time we talk about this guy is when he retires in eight months. Well, well why not? We just the Super Bowl him, ring. Add him to the list of a half dozen of the best comeback player of the year candidates that all reside on the Cardinals roster. Ba- based on – Chris Johnson's trajectory, I expect Dwight Freeney to lead the league in sacks. That's what I'm talking about. Chris Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer, Tyron Matthew, Jonathan Cooper, Patrick Peterson came back from diabetes to have a good year. Diabetes. That's the Wilford Brimley pronunciation. By the way, we owe a little bit, a little bit, let's be fair, the Around the NFL podcast owes Chris Johnson an apology. I think I kind of remember when he signed with the Cardinals, we debated whether even to talk about it. Or if he'd even make the team. That's how great of a story it is. So we discounted him. I mean, he, he literally. I don't think we can be blamed for that. He was in multiple years of decline and had a bullet in his uh, arm or chest. So maybe we were justified. I, but he is real. I mean, third in the league in rushing right now. Tied for second. Single like, most surprising story. Wow. A long hospital stay where you have time to just think and ponder. You know, followed by a dream, long by break is is again. It's a, it's another year where a nice long break gives someone an absolute refreshing power charge. One of my favorite uh, Mark Sessler dream scenarios is him suffering some type of injury that puts him in the hospital for a long time, and he just the world melts away from. Well, him. right, nothing terrible. And he reads books, right. and like, you great. don't have a brain. Injury. Well, it's the same reason that I would love to go to jail for a little bit, mm-hmm. not a really. Na- nasty job, All of these like scenarios nice would be great on your family. Uh, you know, that's well, what he's trying to get away from. You know, it's you, not happening. That is not true at if all. You've ever, <laughs> if you ever studied the history of the most renowned religious gurus of all time, most of them have either suffered some kind of illness slash injury or spent time in prison. There you go. So what are we, what so are we're we learning on to about something. Mark right now? Huh? What are we well, I don't really about? want this to happen. But I mean, t- I think wait, it's just, you know. You, I, Chris, are you implying Mark might be a future religious leader? I that is I can exactly, totally see that. <laughs> not only that, but Chris Johnson might have a following soon. Okay. The difference between <laughs> religious leader and cult leader is very precarious. So just be careful, Mark. Well, I I don't want I you wearing mostly, like matching white Nikes with a group of people. Cult, I am not going to go down the Heaven's Gate road. Thank you very much. Are you sure? Rancho Santa Fe. It feels like half of your Qualis Two Fantasia questions. I could see well, you. Fair. I could see you living on like a ranch in the middle of nowhere with a hundred other people, and like Bernie Kosar is your right hand guy. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, finally, in the news, Golden Tate uh, is stuck on a bad team this year. the The winless Detroit Lions are zero and five after getting bombed at home, forty two seventeen by the Cardinals. Uh, he said this, Golden Tate, to the Detroit Free Press. You know, I'm the first one to say I love our fans. I think I think they're amazing, and they've been patient for a long time. But before the game got out of hand, before the game started, I looked up, and there were a lot of empty seats. Early on, our team is getting booed. Later in the game, it sounded like the loudest it got was when Stafford was leaving the game and Orlovsky came in. Um, basically, Tate is saying that the the team turned their turned their back, or the fans turned their backs on the Lions. Uh, this is uh, one of your boys, Chris Wessling. 99 catches last year, but this is the these are the type of stories you read when a, a season of promise turns to dust. Yeah, pipe down, Golden Tate. 
what gives him the right? He's got he's earning millions of dollars. He hasn't been through. He's new to Detroit. He hasn't been through what these these fans have been through. If he was in their place, he'd turn their he'd turn their backs on himself too. You're right. And Nate Burleson on NFL Network yesterday made a point. You know, he was in Detroit for a long, long time. He does know that fan base. That that is not a bunch of you know silver spoon millionaires. That they're it's a hardworking town, and they put a lot of money into their tickets. And you go and you're watching an absolute crap team that isn't living up to its talent base. Their quarterback is regressing and completely melting down. They have a lot to be upset about. Golden Tate needs to just you know how about just make a make a play. Sydney, thank uh, you. Sydney, how you doing? Doing great, guys. I'm yeah. doing just great. How's um, everything going right now? So fantastic. Listen, I was just talking to Kevin Patra. Oh, yeah. That's oh, what I was wow. going to say because I I thought I was thinking about this because Kevin wrote this post um, about Golden Tate in which he, he called the loss to the to the Cardinals pathetically abhorrent <laughs> and their own five. And, you know, it's it's – Tough. It's tough being Kevin Patrick. There was there let's was some. Face ang- it. Let's be honest. Let, there were some angry blue tweets a few weeks ago uh, during that Lions Seahawks. Absolutely, game. Monday night game. <laughs> Real anger. Uh, and Sydney, I'm going to give you a little task here for after the show. Uh, Kevin Patra, <clears throat> in response to a tweet I I had about the Lions, responded, "Me, Dan Hansis." So I didn't take it personally, but I'm starting to now worry af- about his his well-being. And I talked to Sydney. I said, let's get him on the phone and check in Dan, Dan, with Kevin. Dan. Hey, Patrick, what's up? Dan, to be fair, in my defense, I might have been double digits deep on <laughs> a uh, couple barley pops in my defense. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, that's why – and I understand that. And I think – you you misunderstood the the context of my tweet and took it as a shot and that happens all of us uh, have, when you're have, uh, under the influence of a yes, lot of sauce right I've maybe looked into things differently and and so there's no issues between us but I'm more interested and I think that I speak for the whole room uh, some concern it's now you live in the Midwest and it's starting to get colder <laughs> and you know it's kind of like a gloomy time of year once the sun you know we're gonna have daylight savings coming up I believe on November first. And that adds to the spirits in the sky and your team's own five and your apartment, you know, it, it overlooks, uh, you know, what looks like some type of project building. I just want to check in with you and see how you're doing right now. Kevin Patra, Chicago correspondent. I'm going to drive fan. down to the south side of Chicago and tell them that you said I live in the project. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about it. You live in Chicago, but you're from Michigan and you're a Detroit Lions fan. Um you know, of course, Matthew Stafford, he, he he had some quotes today. He was like a little, you know, a little ticked off, it seems, at Jim Caldwell for yanking him out of that game after three picks. And the Lions can get out of this contract. And this is the question I had for Patrick. They can get out of this contract after this year. Would you, Kevin Patrick, if things didn't significantly turn, be okay with the Lions starting over without Matt Stafford? Well, that depends on what your other options are. I mean, you saw with the Bears last year and Cutler, they wanted to get rid of Cutler, but what was their better option? If what? they get the number one pick and, and, you, and you got a guy like Groff and you think he's, he can be better in the future, absolutely. What about, I got no problem moving on. What about the Bears and Lions just swapping problems? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God, I, Jay honestly, Cutler in Detroit? I, oh. Honestly, I, I don't think that Cutler in the last three years has played, has played as bad as, as uh, Stafford has in the last three weeks. Mm. I, I've never seen – because at least you talk about a guy who got benched for Jimmy Clausen. I'm, t- but but this is a guy who got benched for Dan Orlovsky. So I mean, <laughs> six of one, half dozen of the other. 
but I'm saying the way that Cutler plays, at least he was trying to make plays. Stafford doesn't seem like he wants to, wants to run the offense that's in the plays that are called, and he's so skittish in the pocket, he's just looking at the pass rush. He hasn't helped his offensive line out at all. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Philip Rivers last night, just changing the plays and getting the coverages and making sure he gets the right plays. Stafford does none of that. Whether that's his, well, he's able to do it or not, he doesn't. On the Patra rage meter, which which ranked higher? Though? Which is always high, by the way. Let me just give everyone a baseline. <laughs> the rage meter yeah. rests at about seven and a half out of ten, but it can go yeah, up higher. Go yeah, ahead. Just Greg. describe describe the differences, I guess, between you know the Lions' loss in Seattle and then the one against the Cardinals, which was just you know embarrassing. And like, what? How did and how did the rage meter and the rage manifest itself? Well, I mean, the one in the one in Seattle is. It's more gut punch because it was right there. I don't. I know people like to make you know the call was terrible. I would have rather than not even known that that was an illegal call because I mean you have an Hall of Fame wide receiver going into the end zone and he gets it knocked out. You should lose that game. That was more gut punch because they they had a chance to win. So the the, the depressing thing about the Cardinals loss is just that this we've been here before. This this is a team that just laid down after a, they got they got hit and they just laid down and they they don't have the players. Um, in the defensive line to do anything when you got Chris Johnson running up the middle. They just don't have it right now. Yeah. Were you annoyed by Tate's comments? Not at all. Not at all. I mm. think Golden Tate's one of the more intellectual football players. I think he's frustrated. I think that's where that's coming from. And he took it back the next day. He said, you know, I think he probably talked to Nate Rillis, and I heard a second you guys mention that. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't upset at all. I think he knew. He had, he, he's frustrated. He wanted to get that out. And he started backtracking immediately because it's, the fans have every right to be, be upset. You come in after a playoff season and you hope that you can make strides. You lose your best player, your best defensive player, and you have a, a, a coaching staff who is inept, just absolutely and 100% inept on the offensive side mm. of the ball. Patra, what is more depressing for you, the idea that you thought you had a franchise quarterback and he is regressing faster than maybe anyone uh, east of Colin Kaepernick, or the fact that the Lions are locked into four more primetime games this year that they cannot be flexed out of. <laughs> oh, that uh, a lot of drinking nights for Patrick. National championship, champion, uh, nationally televised games. Yeah, Thanksgiving is always a fun one. Uh, I'm more depressed about Stafford, obviously. I mean, the money that's involved in that and what it means to have a quarterback in the NFL. You you need that to succeed, and so that's clearly a more depressed. I can live with the whole nation having to with me through through tire right. fire after tire <laughs> well, fire after tire fire after tire fire. It seems to me that old Kevo is in a good spot. So he's frustrated as he should be, but he's taking it in stride, and so that's good. It's, Things have never been better. So you're you're you're, hey, you're okay, Kevin? Correct. Dan, Dan, I got Jim Harbaugh in my life right now, so we're all good on that front. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> true. See, there's more, Mark, and this he's is a awesome. lesson for you. There's more beyond your favorite NFL team. Other sports, yeah. Other hobbies. I think some of the cu- the Cubs fever in Chicago is really. Oh, I was attempting no. to explore Sinking that earlier in, this season. Sinking into Patra. Do you um? Is there a woman in your life right now, Patra? You know what, Dan? I, I don't get into that personal side. <laughs> we'll stick to the. Uh... All right. That sounds like sounds like a big fat no. I like the prod. I like to know what's happening. That's it. So Patra, Sorry. he's a guy. He's like, listen, he's not l- unlike a. Um, Chris Martin of Coldplay. He's like, my personal life is my personal life. I don't think Kevin Patrick's ever listened to a Coldplay song. So it's interesting to bring up those two names. Right, Kev? I have heard the popular ones, but I'm not going to say I frequent. 
It's the only thing that he has in common with Chris Martin. Uh, best hip-hop artist ever, Eminem, yes or no, Patrick? No, no. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Sorry. All right, that's it. Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one, fellas. See you, Kevin. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that was really good to hear. It's good to check in. I mean, you were, there was concern. Um, <coughs> you know, I think he's, he's going to end up in a wild fireball of rage before this all ends. <laughs> you still think it's coming? Oh, yes. All right, let's do some forkage. Stick a fork in him. Ooh. All right. So as as uh, we talked about earlier in the show, Lions, Patrick's Lions, uh, the Niners, Saints, Texans, Dolphins, Bucks, Raiders, Browns, and Bears, all shamed. And now, after a discussion on our um, interoffice uh, instant messenger client Slack. Quit slacking. Sign up for Slack today. <laughs> no, give us, give us a sponsor. I got check. I got a, got that McDonald arch l- laughing at us every time we do that show, Greg. <laughs> uh, let's add two more uh, on our Slack client, our, our chat client. We did uh, pick two more teams, and they are the following. Shame. 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 The Kansas City Chiefs. Shame. 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 The Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Shame. All right. So. Delightful. The Chiefs and Ravens, of course. <laughs> the Chiefs, not only do they lose to the Bears, 18-17, they lose Jamal Charles. It has been confirmed, an ACL tear. Uh, he's now torn the ACL in both knees, so hopefully he gets back and is still Jamal Charles, but it won't be this year. Uh, and the Ravens, what else can you say? They get a, a gift from the football gods a week ago Thursday against the Steelers, and then they gag it away and lose to the Browns of all teams. Uh, that had to feel good, Mark, for your uh, beloved Brownies to basically end the Ravens' season. It is the only sec- only the second time they've ever beaten them with Joe Flacco as the Ravens' quarterback. So it's wow. been a very one-sided butt-whipping. So, yes, it felt great. Goodbye, right on, Baltimore. Right on their butts. They're getting whipped right on the old butts. All right, so there are some teams now that have not. First of all, I'll start with this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I've been calling for the, the fork for a couple of weeks, and it's not because – and Wes made a good point or um, said something earlier <laughs> today – <laughs> no, it wasn't. Wes good. made a good point. No, no actually, actually he just opened it his wasn't. mouth and words came out. But yeah. uh, similar idea. Don't don't cut me off because that's not what I was trying to say. Because it wasn't a point. He was like just it. he. It was a fact. He was saying that Blake Bortles is on pace for thirty three touchdowns and four thousand yards, something around there. Forty one fifty seven and thirty two to thirteen TD to INT ratio. All right, so Blake Bortles is trending in the right direction. He has a shoulder injury right now. We don't know what that means and what that means for him and his team. But uh, my point is one in four is one in four is one in four. And if we're being bold here, we're saying even Bortles, you know, going on the upside, uh, you know, leave that by itself. Still, they're one in four and they're the Jaguars. They're going to make the playoffs. Come on. That's a great point, Dan. Uh, No, actually, it's not. It's just I need something said. I need ugly very quick. Open your mouth and words came out. I need someone to convince me that that the Indianapolis Colts aren't a terrible team before I knock out the Jaguars who have a quarterback. The Texans, I'm fine with knocking out because they have the worst quarterback situation. We did knock them out, yes. Right. 
I the would Jaguars have, have a quarterback, and the AFC South doesn't have a good team. I, I was with you on not forking the Jaguars last week. Part of it was the schedule. To lose in Tampa and give up 38 points Come on. was a yeah. was a reveal magnifico this, for that defense. L- what what was it? <laughs> for Sydney, I'm over two today, guys. It's not good. It's not good. It's okay. I mean, to me, She's if still talking with the patch, they're giving up 38 points to <laughs> to the Buccaneers. <laughs> That's the woman in Patra's like. Ooh. Oh wow. Yeah. Wait, are you dating Kevin Patra, Sid? It's what is this? What are we yeah, talking that, about right yeah. now? <laughs> she doesn't want to discuss it again. Either. Way too personal. <laughs> uh, yeah, like. Perhaps it's it's great that Blake's doing well, but you're still losing to the Bucks. This team isn't ready yet. Well, I think what the, at best they could come kind of close to what the Texans did last year, which is your record is better than maybe you really are as a team because you are playing the Texans and the Titans and whatever else comes up. But really, for them to make the playoffs, let's say they have to go nine and seven at very worst. That means they go eight and three from here on out. I just don't see team wide a Jaguars team doing that. Bortles I, is a my major point is, positive. My point is really not even about the Jaguars. None of you has convinced me that the Colts are a good team. You think, but you got to win. You think seven or eight wins might yes. win the AFC South, and that the Jaguars are as likely as any team to win it. Is yes. Your what if they lose? They I, have. They to have me, a, I would go with the Titans as that other team. Sure. In, in the weeks. one and three Titans. Yeah. In with weeks. a coach who basically gift wrapped, coached the most conservative game I've seen in years in Week Five. Basically. Just punted every time he had a chance to, and just I don't know. He th- Again, though, I can't get behind the. But Titans. it does yeah. come down to the Jaguars winning these games, and they're going to have to win eight more they, to make well, that playoff. That's where did. the point about the fact that they have a quarterback. They they do play the worst team in the league right now, the Texans this week. What if they lose and to the Texans? They, and they well, then it's over. The one and five. Would you be willing to yes. sign off? Okay. And then they play potentially EJ Manuel in London. You know, maybe, yes. If they, they lose to the Texans, I will sign off on forking them. And, you know, one team that I nominated, but um, it did not go through legislation, the San Diego Chargers. Uh, a terrible loss last night, obviously, as we talked about earlier in the show. And to me, this just, you know, they're 16 in our power poll because they are literally the middle of the pack. I don't see them. I don't see them winning 10 games or even nine games. I think it's a seven to eight win team. So why not just fork them? That one I voted against because if we're going to, if we're going to not fork the Jaguars because of Blake Bortles, then a 2-3 and three team with Phillip Rivers as your quarterback in an AFC where, yes, you have the South and they're not going to have a second playoff team, there's not a lot of dominant teams in the AFC. The Chargers can hang around for a while. The wild card teams aren't, aren't that wildly impressive. You've got the Jets, Bills, and Steelers as the three teams who are in the same neighborhood really as the Chargers, and two of those teams have to make it. That's fair. How about the Redskins? I, I would fork the Redskins because you guys are just – You hey, just hate the Redskins. Well, hey, we got to be bold. We got to pick well, – this thing has to be over by <laughs> Well, why not six. be bold and pick the Fal- the Cowboys instead? Because yeah, that's not the team I believe. Well, forking right. the Redskins didn't work for you the other time. Well, what are you blaming it on me listen, for? Listen, the Cowboys well, just, should not I'm be Blaming it on us. The Cowboys are going to get back uh, arguably the best quarterback in the division and the best wide receiver in the division when? in short order. Well, we know we might get Des back in a week. And we Mike. might get Romo, Romo back for the last five games or six games, whatever it may be. They still have Brandon Whedon. Yes. Well, they're going to have Matt Castle, and maybe he'll be better than Brandon Whedon. Who knows? But I think that that's enough for me not to want to fork them. Yeah. The Giants now have won three in a row, so they're safe. 
And then you, the Eagles, listen, you can make a case for the Eagles too, but it's, I know everyone's kind of waiting it, for the Eagles to put to it together. It's tough to work anyone in that division. They're all right. in one right. game and none look great. But Talk about a division where 8-8 eight and eight could potentially win it. And the Redskins, sneaky, have maybe the best defense in that division. I know. I feel like we're, we're building up the Redskins as a buzz team, but I just, I don't know. I don't see them. I don't see this happening. Well, they have, they've played the most complete game of any team in that division. And honestly, I think they're better than the, – the Giants and the Redskins are the best two teams in that division. And the Titans, I'm assuming, just to double back to AFC South, same same thinking with the Jaguars is that division's so bad, even at one and three, that we shouldn't be for. Well, they're getting real close. All right, though, that's the discussion. So now 11 teams forked. I mean, w- should we set a cutoff date because we don't want to become, you know, total jokes well, by last, taking this too the far. La- the last couple <laughs> of years we've been doing it up until week 13, week 14. So you're saying essentially we are we will lock in the 12 playoff teams at midseason because the chances of – I'm just saying. Now it feels at, a lot more That's dangerous. Mike Tomlin that's running like, the ball that, with five what, seconds left. That's what you guys are saying is if we did it at midseason, we are locking in the 12 playoff teams, which to me seems crazy. So I don't think we need an artificial deadline, maybe December 1st. Greg is loving this because he sees what's going to happen. We're going to swing and miss invariably because we're having fun with this and we're going to be bold yeah. on a couple teams. <laughs> and then Greg's going to bury us Right. He, yeah. We're going to go back to the yeah. model. Oh, we're, fun. we're forking yeah. teams oh, no, in like right. March, we late did, March after the season fun. ended. Hey, I'm the one. I threw out the Raiders well before you guys went I'm throwing out the rest. Uh, I'm the one, I'm, I'm the I'm one that gave to charity first. All right, Greg, we got it. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> the worst running bit. <laughs> Finally. So that's the four conversation for this week. Yeah, it shouldn't last more than a couple more weeks, but it is a lot more scary now that you, you put it that way because locking in 12 playoff teams I don't know. That doesn't in really November make, that doesn't sounds, make sense to me. Well, history tells us that at midway pursuit. midway through, we have absolutely no idea no. about at least one or two of them. No, I, I agree we should try to be bold and fork a lot of the teams. Now, if if we're leaving one wild card spot open for two teams in the AFC, for instance, I don't think that's a crazy thing to do for a little longer than I agree. Season. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then, by the way, wouldn't it be the worst thing to mess up? As we did say, as a group, we will give to a local charity. Uh, Sydney, can we get on that, finding a, a worthy charity in the Culver City or Los Angeles area to give to. Absolutely. I'll get right on that. Okay, and you're going to chip in an equal amount as well. Oh, yeah, with my <laughs> very high salary working on it. <laughs> Seems a little self-serving to benefit our city. Wouldn't Why not the city that we, of you Cleveland? know, that, well, no, the city that if we fork a team and then they make the playoffs, we Ooh, help that city. Ooh, that's a great call. You know. What if we start giving to charity every time a making the leap candidate doesn't make the leap? Oh, we have nothing left. <laughs> you nailed it, Mark. That's a great idea. Are you good with that, boss? If if we a team comes back from the dead, rips the fork out of their back and makes the playoffs, we donate to a charity from that team's city. Sure, that makes sense. It's <laughs> happened three times in in three seasons overall. Oh, this is great. And we, we should. <laughs> All right. Finally, let's talk about the Thursday night football game: the Falcons at Saints. The Superdome, which has become a house of horrors for the home team uh, in uh, recent years, or at least, uh, what? What's their record in the last, like, ten games there? they lost right? six in a row. Six in a row, and now they have an undefeated team coming to their building. But let's face it, here's the one thing I'm going to say, and if we had hero picks, maybe, just perhaps, uh, I would have one riding on the Saints in this game because I think the Falcons are overdue. Uh, I, I think, Greg, you made the point on the podcast on Sunday that Matt Ryan for how you know the all the right the things they've done right this year Atlanta Ryan hasn't been great 
Uh, and I could see a stinker, even against a bad defense. Potentially, the Falcons not playing well. Julio Jones is banged up, and the Saints win a game on the, in prime time. Well, you know they're doing well when they play. They win their stinker. I mean, Matt Ryan had an awful performance against Washington. Uh, they made so many mental errors, and yet they won the game anyways. Missed two chip shot field goals, too. From right, a normally and reliable kicker. They they played a defense in a secondary in Washington that can do something that New Orleans will now Julian Jones isn't playing, that's one thing, but New Orleans will not come close to touching them the way the Redskins did. I mean the Washington put the clamps on and shut down that offense for large parts of that game. They were they were moving the ball but then couldn't you know, couldn't finish out the drives. I'm interested to see this Falcons defense, I'm not really sure how they're doing it. Maybe it's that money ball tackling you know, theory that I had before. I mean, they have Desmond <laughs> Trufant. Better who's, who's the best player in their front seven right now? Paul Warlow, their middle linebacker? Every it, time I turn on the Falcons, Nate Stuper makes a play. I mean, Vic Beasley. Hey, Stuper. It is ra- I have rarely seen a professional get as dominated and, and enveloped as a pass rusher as Vic Beasley did last week against Trent Williams. Now that was going Trent Williams it. did, yes. That was against right. one of the best in the league, but it just kind of highlighted uh, Beasley's size. Now the Saints are without or at least they were that last week, Teron Armstead, who's one of the best left tackles uh, in the NFL. And the Saints missed him dearly last week. They did not protect Drew Brees well. And it's really the Saints' offense. I mean, they the recipe for them winning is scoring 30 points, and we haven't we just haven't seen that. They also – New Orleans is getting run over on the ground, too. This could be a Devonta mm. Freeman game, who eight touchdowns already on the year. I just – I like Atlanta's offense. They're so much more balanced than they were a year ago. And I just – I'd be surprised if they if – they, if they if they lost this one, I think it'll be close. This rivalry is always close, but I agree. I think the Falcons are going to move the ball. I mean, the the Saints have absolutely no pass rush. I mean, that's why Sam Bradford looked good. That's why Cam Newton had one of the best games of his career. Everyone who plays against this Saints defense, except for Brandon Whedon, and he even looked fine. You know, plays the best game of their career. I'm killing the wrong Ryan brother too, because there is not a worse coach defense than what Rob Ryan's done with the Saints. Give me one. <laughs> well, Not a great roster, but I, yeah. I can't well, all really right, disagree. but but see, then in Atlanta. They w- they were very plain last year, and in comes Dan Quinn, That's and it's fair. not an oversell. It's not. It, it's a lot of the same players, and they're completely he responding might, differently. That might be part of the Rob Ryan flaw: is that if he doesn't have the personnel, his schemes do not work, and that. That's a pretty big flaw to have. Let's do some picks for the game, and Mark, we'll start with you, and we should mention Mark. That you're in trouble on the picks. Oh, I mean, it, uh, it's you went over. bold. You went bold, and you went five and nine last <laughs> week, and you are now for the season. And this isn't, you know, we don't do spreads around here, but this is straight win loss. You're only forty and thirty seven, and fourteen games behind Patcher. Well, it, it is for me. I think that when when I get off to a good start, it it continues. But I made two weeks two weeks out of the last three, I tried strategies that were absolutely dunderheaded. <laughs> if Greg is choosing not to make picks, I should not be allowed to anymore. <laughs> I should be removed from – I'm not kidding. If I wanted to do this right, remove me from it now. Well, the, bring the forking <laughs> segment back. By the way, Mark, is, this is a weird time for Mark's the fire to be in Mark's eyes for the first time. In this He's show. mad at himself. Shooting I am, daggers no. at Mark, uh, at Greg, pointing at him. Take me no, off. No, All right, I, I, I'll I, do it. I, You're I, forked. I'm out. I mean, you can keep picking. You need to keep picking. Well, I can't well, no, I Greg, Remove me. I'm just not, saying it doesn't matter. Emperor has no clothes. I, Speaking well, of dunderheaded. I have been unprofessional. You should remove me from it. 14 games back, it's over. Don't Sessler's think we don't winning. see through this, by the way, Sessler. What? What you're going for here. What? You're looking to get taken off the picks. 
because you just don't want to do them. Well, I mean, I don't think it's what are what are what are fans learning from my picks? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> now not to which which not to take. To By the way, Wes, and there's a sandwich prop between Wes and I. Actually, strangely enough, I'm not involved with it because Mark, you set it up that Dan will beat Wes, and I agreed with you, obviously. And then Wes took you on through five weeks. We're in a, a flat-footed tie at 48 and 29, mm. and uh, Patrick leading the way, beating everyone at 54 and 23. Hey, Patrick got that. Patrick deserves some credit there. That's right. a big lead, six so games. He's doing a great job. That's where. And Greg, you could have been part of this, and we would it would have been way more fun. But you stole it from us. You stole that that brotherhood that we once had. Greg's been making my picks for me. <laughs> Mark, your pick for this particular game as you try to climb out of a deep, dark hole. I will go Saints. Just kidding. Falcons. I'm not going to go. I see. I'm done with the stupidity. Mm -hmm. I'm going Falcons. That was convincing. All right. Score. Uh, 41 to 24. All right. Wes. You made some excellent points. Uh, the, The Falcons may well be ripe for a loss. They have to go on the road in a short week. Just want to make it clear, Wes was talking about me. (laughs) <laughs> and it's about me <laughs> and weird things happen on Thursday nights but look at what the Falcons are doing with this coaching staff they're number one in the NFL in run defense they have the hottest running game in the NFL and this they took over a team that absolutely were known for having no backbone whatsoever you could run over them and they couldn't run look at the Falcons coach you know what's missing from the Seahawks Dan Quinn mm. Mm. like that Big final guy. score 33-24, Falcons win. I will go 30-27, Saints victory over the Falcons. I'll go. This is the beginning of the end of Dan. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned it. I don't know if this is an official stat, but I, I believe Devonta Freeman has broken a tackle on every single one of his runs this year, NFL record. No, that's behind Deion I just, Lewis. I just made that broken up. But he tackles. has. He, every single God, run he Deion breaks a the tackle. Deion Lewis touchdown on Sunday? Marron. Oh, that guy's awesome. 31 to 30. They always play a good, fun game. So Great. Yes. Great picks, but well, listen, your picks don't count. <laughs> I make the Thursday night picks. Okay. All right, that's it uh, for Tuesday show. We'll be back uh, on – it was a little premature, Sid. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Listen, we're still working out that kinks. Uh, I'll, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll cue you up for the, the – and, Greg, you did a nice job, I should say, on Sunday night as well with the timing – of the drop, the outro drop. Thank you, Dan. And to the people that keep asking what that the song is. That felt pretty sincere the way you just said that. Eh, maybe. Uh, people keep asking what the song is. Uh, I'll have TD send that out again, but I don't know if you have any access to it. We'll be back on Thursday. We're going to make all our week six picks uh, and preview all the games. And we're going to talk about what's in the news and what's going on with Mark and his views on life. It'll be good. And that's it. <laughs> So until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm, the mailman, Chris Wessling, the boss, Sydney, and everybody else behind the glass. Until Thursday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.